Welcome to the Community of Faith podcast, where you will hear the exposition of God's Word taught by Rev. Patrick Parham, pastor of Faith Community Fellowship in Bristol, Tennessee. If you are in the Bristol area and would like to visit, please join us for Sunday morning worship beginning at 10 a.m. If you're not able to join us in person, join us online. Visit our website, faith-cf.org. That's faith-cf.org. Or you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash faithcommunityfellowshipbristol. That's all one word, Faith Community Fellowship Bristol. Here at Faith Community Fellowship, our goal is to ensure that what we do is edifying to our Heavenly Father. And we hope that this podcast is a blessing to you. Let's join Pastor Pat as he brings us God's Word. Turn with me, please, back to Mark 15. Back to Mark 15. We'll begin our reading where we left off the last time, which is at verse 15 of Mark chapter 15. We touched on verse 15 last time, but we'll start there with our message today. We're going to read down through verse 28, and I realize I'll be stopping right in the middle of the crucifixion, but there's just so many things here. I just don't want to hurry through this at all, and so we'll just do the best we can. Verse 15 of chapter 15 of Mark, down through verse 28. So Pilate wanted to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he scourged him to be crucified. Then the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole garrison. They clothed him with purple and twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him and bowing the knee, they worshipped him. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple off him. His own put his own clothes on him and laid him out to crucify him. Now they compelled a certain man, Simon of Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bury his cross. They brought him to the place Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. Then they gave him wine, mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. And when they had when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him, and the inscription of his accusation was written above the king of the Jews. With him they also crucified two robbers, one on his right, the other on his left, so the scripture was fulfilled with sins, and he was numbered with the transgressions. Let's pray. Lord, we're coming now to the passage of scripture we're actually reading and talking about and meditating upon your death on the cross for our sins. And I ask that as we walk through these verses, and not only this week, but next week, and ever how long you want us to stay in them, that we would not just walk through quickly, but think about and meditate upon the cause our salvation was to you and how great the love of God is to us and what you really went through so that we can be sons and daughters of God. And I ask that as we think and meditate upon these things, that our love for you would grow. And that love for you would express itself praise and worship and service in your kingdom. Bless us as your people open our hearts and minds and help us to more fully understand 
the love of God. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now verse 1, if we get back and look at verse 1 of this chapter, it says the time frame is for what was going on here. It's in the morning. It's Friday morning. And you may remember that the previous evening on Thursday, the Lord was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. It would have been pretty late that evening, but He was arrested on Thursday evening. When He was arrested, He was taken down to the high priest dwelling there and tried before the Sanhedrin. All the mocking and stuff that went on there we looked at last week. So at the time of verse 1 of chapter 15, when Jesus is brought before Pilate, he's already been up all night long. He's already been insulted and mocked by the Jewish leaders. He's been falsely condemned by their so-called trial through testimony that did not even agree. Blindfolded and bound and brought to Pilate. And in addition to all these horrific things that were going on, by his enemies, the Lord has also been deserted by his chosen apostles. And the chief spokesman for the apostles, Peter, has denied the Lord three times. And all of these are things that the Lord's keenly aware of. He knows all of this is going on. And we noticed last time as we began chapter 15 that Pilate was amazed at Jesus. That's over in verse 5. He had never seen anyone so calm and resigned as Jesus was. Pilate knew the chief priest had handed him over because of envy. That's brought out clearly in verse 10. He knew what was going on. He knew false charges were being leveled at Jesus over and over, but yet Jesus answered nothing. And we reminded ourselves last time that this was because our Lord totally surrendered to the will of the Father in the garden. He was 100% committed to His Father's will and all this was necessary for the Scriptures to be fulfilled and for God's people to be saved. And so as we look at verses 15 through 23, we see some additional suffering on the way to the cross. In addition to what had taken place the previous night, we see the Roman soldiers and their treatment of him being scourged first there in verse 15. Now Pilate's already surrendered Jesus over to the mob, and some translations read flogged, but it was a horrible act in addition to all the tortures our Lord had already endured throughout the night at the hands of the Jews. This was the Romans, and they scourged him, and he was crucified, delivered over to be crucified. Well then, once that takes place, the soldiers, they take him over into... Uh, some, kind of the governor's headquarters. It's a room over there. It's, uh, my translation says Praetorium. And they got everybody together. And they began to mock him. The whole garrison. You see, they not only were mocking Jesus, they were mocking the whole idea that the Jews really thought they could have a king of any kind. But they were mocking the Lord in particular. And they clothed him with purple. That is the color the kings would wear. They made him a crown of thorns, mocking the idea that every king needs a crown. They saluted him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and gave mock submission in the mean spirit of contempt. They struck him on the head, on that crown of thorns with a reed. And what that would have done, no doubt, is drive those thorns down onto his head more. And it would tear and pierce his flesh. And then they coupled all this horrific act with actually spitting on the Lord of glory. 
This illustrates vividly what animals people can become once they give themselves over totally to wickedness. And then they bow the knee and in mock submission or worshiped him. Well, when they'd had their fun, they got all this out of their system. Verse 20, they took the purple off of him, put his own clothes back on him, and took him out to crucify him. As they're going out, they, they compel this one man, Alexander, I mean, uh, Simon of Cyrene, because as you remember, Jesus had already been through a complete night and a horrific morning, of, a morning of all these sufferings. He had already been scourged, and that scourging, as I mentioned last time, was so bad that many people died from that alone. And he didn't have the strength left to carry the cross, and so they compelled Simon to do it. They bring him out to the altar there and they give him this wine mingled with myrrh, but he didn't take it. They may That may have deadened the pain, but Jesus didn't take it because he would take the punishment for our sins upon himself without any help. They gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. Now as we think about these things, as we think about these things, we need to remember that it was the Father's love for fallen man that caused him to allow these horrific things to happen to his beloved son. Think of John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And the only begotten Son of God, Jesus himself, who was and is in the bosom of the Father, left His glory, acting on behalf of the Father's love, that we, miserable sinners that we are, might have glory, honor, and eternal life through faith in His atoning work. That's why all this was going on. And let us never forget that the Father loved us this much and the Son Himself was willing to die for us and go through all these horrific sufferings even before we loved him. It isn't as if Jesus died for us because we were trying to do better or trying to please Him, but just kind of falling short of the mark a little bit. That still would have been a tremendous act of love, but Romans tells us God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And we know and we acknowledge it was the Jews that delivered our Lord to and it was to the Romans, and it was the Romans who carried out what we've been reading about here today. But you see, if we know the Lord in a saving way at all, if we've any knowledge of the Bible at all, just a very peripheral knowledge, we also know it was our sins that caused all this. As Peter would later write, Christ suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God. Or you might think of Paul writing over in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21, He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. You see, that level of love deserves our worship. It deserves our praise and devotion. Paul would later write in 2 Corinthians, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. That's what we're reading about here. As we come a little further, they begin to, when they crucify the Lord, there are some particulars here that I'm just going to mention very quickly, and we'll talk about things a little bit more next time. But his garments were divided 
verse 24. They cast lots. That was in fulfillment of Scripture. You can look it up in Psalm 22 and verse 18. His suffering on the cross lasted for six hours. There in verse 25 is the third hour. And over in verse 20, 34 is the ninth hour. That's nine o'clock in the morning to three o'clock in the afternoon. It lasted for six hours. The inscription that was written by Pilate's command was the king of the Jews, and that was written out of a desire to disgrace the Jews, to kind of bring embarrassment upon Jesus in his claim. And then the last verses that we read, Jesus was crucified between two robbers. One on his left, and one on his left and right, which is again a fulfillment of Scripture. You can read it right there in Isaiah 53 and verse 12. But I want to just bring us some more thoughts before we come to the table. Never let us read this account or the accounts in the other Gospels without remembering why Jesus submitted all this. He didn't have to. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon Him. He was treated as a criminal condemned to death that we might be set free from death and obtain eternal life. Secondly, our Lord was numbered with the transgressors for He took the place of transgressors. Mankind in Adam was originally created perfect. He was given only one law, and the only purpose of that was to test his love for God. They failed the test miserably and became a transgressor against the very God who created him. And though through original sin, through that one sin, that fallen nature, that enslavement to sin has passed down to everyone born through ordinary generation. And we all know that in addition to that, we know what actual sin is. That is where you and I actually do in and of ourselves that violates the law of God. It is as if the two thieves crucified on either side of our Lord were representatives of the human race. We are all sinners. We need the crucified Lord on our behalf. And for those who receive the Lord's death as payment for their sins, as we know one of the thieves did, we can and will be reckoned as innocent in God's sight for the Lord's work. Now as we think about the table, I want to give you one more application, one more thought to bring into this equation. Think of the Lord's death, which we're going to continue to celebrate here at the table, as the supreme reason to follow after holiness without which no one will see the Lord. You see, if God hates sin so much that He gave His only begotten sin to pay for ours, how can we who have been made dead to sin live any longer in it? How can we as children of God live in or love anything that our God won't even look upon? If we seriously consider what we've been reading, the only logical biblical response as a child 
a son or daughter of God is given by Paul in Romans 12 and verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Let's pray. Lord, what powerful verses these are as we have been reading and talking and meditating upon the beginning of the crucifixion and the preceding sufferings and the scourgings and all that took place when you became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in you. I pray for us in this room that as we meditate upon these thoughts, as we think about the great love of God, that our love for you would grow immensely. That our dedication to Jesus Christ, our Savior, would be much greater than it's ever been before. That whatever lingering remnants of fear we might have about sharing your love with others or what other people might think would be eradicated by looking at the cross, thinking, Jesus loved me enough to suffer in this way. What can man possibly do to me? As we come to the table and continue this worship service over, I ask that we as your people will continue to keep our eyes upon the cross, that we will behold you. Even there, as the beautiful Son of God sent to take our place, to die in our stead, that we might live with you forever. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Pat, for another wonderful message from God's Word. I hope that you have enjoyed listening to Pastor Pat's message. If this has been a blessing to you, please like and follow this podcast and give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. If you would like to support this ministry and the other ministry opportunities at Faith Community Fellowship, please visit our website, faith-cf.org support. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Community of Faith.